it's good to be back with everyone today uh, in the book of 1 Timothy. And we're going to try to finish all of chapter 5. Uh, well, no, <laughs> part of chapter 5. We're going to try to advance. And um, so let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And let's read uh, from verse 1 to verse 16. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in, in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents. For this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now he who is a widow indeed, or she who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone, has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. But refuse to put younger widows on the list for when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to get married. Thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention. Therefore, I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. For some have already turned aside to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, she must assist them and the church must not be burdened so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that we would uh, understand it, and not only that, but that we would submit our lives and the ministries of our churches to what you have written. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want us to begin with, first of all, understanding something, that the care of widows is extremely important. Now, I want you to think about this, not in just in the context of the New Testament, but I want you to think about how does this apply today? How should this be reflected in the church? What is the church doing? Now, at the very beginning, I want to say this. It doesn't mean that you should go out there and, and find all the widows in the church and uh, begin to support them economically. We do live in a different situation, a different time, when most widows are cared for. Um, but if we find a widow in the church who is uncared for financially, there is a wise response and we are called to obey. 
But here's what goes on, I feel, many times, is that many times we live in situations where widows do not need financial help. And so we totally neglect them. But do you realize there's more than financial help that a person needs? They need spiritual help. Guess what else they need? Companionship. Friendship. And so we may be in a situation where widows are being taken care of, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't make a list. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't have a specific ministry to widows. A ministry that has been formed by our study of the scripture, by prayer, and in which uh, certain gifted people in the church are involved and they take it as their responsibility. Remember, if no one's name is on the dotted line, uh, usually something doesn't get done. Who in your church ministers to widows? You see? So when we look at this, a lot of people will think, okay, I understand it theologically in its New Testament context, but they never ask themselves, how, how do I now have to live? And how does my church have to respond to what Paul has put before us? Now, how, is, how do I know that this is important? Well, first of all, his instruction with regard to widows comes before his instruction regarding elders. So he deals with this first. Now, it may be, of course, that, that it's because it, it was a problem in the church that, that needed to be dealt with urgently. But I think that also it does demonstrate the importance of dealing properly with the needs of widows. Also, the, the section regarding elders takes up nine verses. The section regarding widows takes up 14. So again, um, there could be circumstantial reason for that, Paul responding to a problem, but uh, I don't think that's all it is. It does show that this is important. Now, he says widows are to be honored. Now the word widow, actually, you know, it's, it's chera is, is, the, is the noun. But it comes from a noun, chasm, from which we get a chasm, an opening, a hole, a vacancy. So I'm just, you know, I'm not at this moment, I'm waxing more poetic than I am acting as a, some sort of Greek scholar. But just for the sake of leaving an impression, you know what a chasm is. It's a large gaping hole. And the word can mean figuratively a vacancy. So what would you think if someone came to you and said, I have a chasm in my heart, a gaping hole, an empty canyon in my life now that my husband's gone, or now that my widow, my wife is gone. I want you to think about that. You see, it's not good enough just to be some sort of New Testament scholar that's standing outside the New Testament and looking at it as a historical document written for the first century. The question is, how do we apply it today? How do we apply it today? Now, it says to honor widows. How do we do that? Well, 
You know, we could draw a lot of things here. We could even in make up things that were true. But I want to teach a principle. Uh, it says we're to honor widows. Well, it also says in Scripture we're to love people. Do you know how to love people? If, if you have been born again, you have been given a heart that is inclined toward virtues like love. But wouldn't you say that with regard to how that plays out, we're born again, we're inclined toward it, but we're not well instructed, we're novices. Maybe we could write a poem about love, but actually demonstrate love. So when we go, when we hear the command, love your neighbor, to, especially in the West, that could mean anything, even to the point of perversion. So when it says love your neighbor, we go back into scripture and we find out what does that look like according to the New Testament so that we're instructed in biblical love. And then we do that. So when it says honor a widow, we go back into that word and we find out how is it used, what does it mean, and that's how we apply it. Now, we're not giving, given a lot of evidence here except for uh, a financial blessing. But we know that it goes far beyond that, don't we? You can give someone finances without honoring them. It's that you're, you're supporting them financially and because we are ministers, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. The church is working together to care for their needs, not because it's simply our duty, but we're doing it because we actually see them as valuable. Okay? We see them as valuable. Um, I remember one day I was driving in my car and there was a young man a few young men in the car, and there was this old, old elderly man who kind of pulled out in front of me and was driving half the, the speed of the speed sign there, speed limit, and uh, one of the young men said, man, I wish that old dude would get off the road. And I said, you need to be very careful how you talk. He said, why? I said, that old dude <laughs> might have driven a tank right down Hitler's throat. My whole point is, you, you see an old man walking around, um, you don't know who he is. You don't know what he's done. You don't know the battles he's fought. You don't know the heroic things he's done. But even if he hasn't, if he's a child of God, if God is going to honor him as a child, how much should you honor him? And that's just not, okay, I'm going to be obedient with regard to this troublesome old person. No, I'm going to serve this person because I honor this person because I can see through the circumstantial and look at this person biblically and know how important they are. If, if widows uh, get in the way, then just quit. Just, just quit. If older people get in the way of your vision, please, will you just go deliver mail or something? 
because you really do not belong in the circle of Christ's ministers. Okay, so he says, honor them. Now, when we talk about honoring widows who are widows indeed, there's some things that I want you to see, some background from this. First of all, we do it because it reflects God's character. Isn't that the chief reason and the thing that we should be doing all the time? We're doing this, why? Because it reflects God's character. We're to imitate Christ. We're to reflect him. You know, uh, there's just some, uh, I guess, linguistic grounds for saying it, but you know, the seraphim, they're the burning ones. And some people have speculated, and that's all it is, is speculation. If, if they're on fire, is that, is that shine? Is that glory? Is it emanating from them? Or are they simply reflecting it? Reflecting God's glory, reflecting God's light. And, you know, Again, it's a scholastic question, but the reason why I bring it up is that's what we're supposed to do. How it's done, I'm not really sure, but we are to reflect him. And by taking care of widows and orphans and people in need, um, that's what we're doing. And remember, when we go to 1 Corinthians, he talks about the body of Christ, not many wealthy, not many strong, not many noble, not many academic, you know. Uh, we're the little people. And by the world, we're considered the foolish people. I think one of the problems with all of these young reformed guys, one of their biggest problems is that they want to appear academically and culturally sophisticated. They wanna be cool. You're never going to be cool in the eyes of this world. If you're trying to attract cool people, well, it's probably something wrong. It's it's the broken people. It's the people who see their need. It's the people who who know that apart from God's grace, they have nothing. Now, God's character in Deuteronomy 10, 18, it says he executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. Make no mistake about it, God will execute his justice for widows and orphans. You know, we, we sometimes have to, you know, some of our ministries and some of the things we do with orphanages and things like that, we have to come and cross paths with this horrific thing that's going on right now, like child trafficking. And, and I can tell you, it, it's just, there's just no greater abomination. And when I think about what God says, that he, he will take vengeance on those who even neglect the widow and the orphan, how much more for those who stamp out their, their lives and so if we want to reflect God and reflect his character, we're also going to concern ourselves with the broken and the weak, the widow and the orphan. In Psalm 68, 5, it says that God is a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows. It says, is God in his holy habitation? 
Even though he is in heaven, he knows every one of them. Now, again, I want to say something. When we look at this from the 21st century, we go, well, in my church, all the widows, they're taken care of financially. But do you have a specific organized ministry to widows? Have, do you have it written out? Do you have their names? Is there a specific prayer going up for them? Very important. And for those of you who just arrived, um, I, I want to repeat that the, the noun, uh, chera, with regard to that's a widow, comes from the word from which we get chasm. It refers to an emptiness or a vacancy or a large hole. And like I said, um, being very careful, but by way of illustration, there's so many widows and widowers that their spouse is gone and it's like they have a chasm in their heart, a hole in their heart. Uh, most people do, most people do. Now, so we, we take care of widows and orphans because it reflects God's character, but we also take care of widows because it's commanded of us. I want you to go just for a minute to Deuteronomy 24. I want us to look at a few texts in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 24, 17. You shall not pervert the justice, do the alien or an orphan, nor take a widow's garment in pledge. You're not going to take what she needs to survive as a pledge, even when she owes you something. 19. When you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in the works of your hands. Then he says, when you beat your olive tree, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not go over it again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and the widow. This is what God commands. He commands a real concern for them. If you go to chapter 26, verse 12 and 13, he says, when you have finished paying all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, then you shall give it to the Levite, to the stranger, to the orphan and to the widow that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. You shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion from my house and also have given it to the Levite and the alien, the orphan and the widow, according to all your commandments, which you have commanded me, I have not transgressed or forgotten any of your commandments. Now, I want you to look at something. The Levite, I mean, can you get higher than that? I mean, was there anybody more important? The Levites even were to instruct the kings. Was there anyone more important? And yet, look what he's saying. He's grouping the widow and the orphan with the Levite. Isn't it also interesting that he talks about honoring elders? And he also talks about honoring what? Widows? Do you see that? Do you see how important this actually is? 
Now, another thing is judgment, so it's commanded, but also I want you to see that judgment brings neglect. In Deuteronomy 27, 19, it says, Cursed is he who distorts the justice to an alien, orphan, and widow, and all the people shall say amen. In Isaiah 1, 23 and 24, it says, Your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and chases after rewards. They do not defend the orphan, nor does the widow's plea come before them. Therefore, the Lord God of hosts, the mighty one of Israel declares, Ah, I will be relieved of my adversaries and avenge myself on my foes. Because they did not take care of widows and orphans, God says he is going to relieve himself of his adversaries. He's going to avenge himself. Why? Because he's the one who created the widow and the orphan and the widow and the orphan belong to him and to not honor them is to not honor God. Another thing I want you to see is that he puts alongside of thieves and those who receive bribes and those who chase after rewards. He puts them alongside of people who neglect the widow and the orphan. So it shows us how serious this is. Also, in Isaiah 1, 23 and 24, there's something very important. These rulers are companions of thieves and they love bribes and they chase after rewards. What does it mean? They're self-centered and self-promoting. They think about self. That's all that concerns them is the promotion of self. Now, you don't need to go to a megachurch minister to find that. We find it in our own hearts. Young man, let me tell you something. As you go on in life, things God is going to reveal things about you that you did not see. He's going to show you things about you that you didn't see. And I believe that the older you get and the closer you get to going over to the other side, the more this is going to happen. Just take note, you are blind to just how self-centered you are. It is so easy to become ambitious in the ministry. Especially when you're in the ministry, most people look down at you as a charlatan or uh, somewhere on the level of a corrupt politician, uh, someone who would steal milk money from a baby. It seems like at times among ourselves, we're trying to prove our worth. We're trying to grow something, make something happen, validate our ministries that seem to be so slow and cumbersome. There's so much hidden that we don't see. And as the years go by, God purposefully brings trials, dark trials that reveal what's inside of us. He stirs it up and you start seeing the filth that was actually lying down at the bottom. And so I, one of the ways that you know that you're moving in the right direction is when you're using your ministry to help the people who can't help you.
Remember, I always go back to this when a young church planter comes to me and you know, tells me he's got a vision. He wants to plant a church and then through that church, he wants to plant another church and another church. And I always have to warn them and say, that's not why you plant a church. You plant a church because you love the people in that church and you want to feed them. Not because you want to use them for your vision, even when it's a good vision. It's always just about the people. Now, I want you to you young pastors to take a step back in your own heart right now. And ask yourself. Are my people are the weakest people in my congregation? Are they the goal? Are they a means to an end? They ought to be the goal. And when you have that attitude, then when you have this one member that keeps you from advancing, this one member that sucks up so much of your time, um, you begin to realize this is why I was put here. They're not getting in the way. They are the way. And it, it'll give you peace. Um, so it's commanded of God. So it reflects God's character when we care for widows, orphans. It's commanded of God. It will bring judgment, in our case, discipline, if we neglect this. But also, it's a true expression of Christian religion. To be concerned for the widows in your church is a true expression. In James 1.27, it says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Look at this. Look at this. I mean, what's more important than holiness? What could be equal to holiness? Uh, visiting widows and orphans in their distress. They're put in a conjunctive relationship here. Now, notice it doesn't say financial support to widows. It says visiting them. And I want to go back to this, men, because you've, you may think of something of a contradiction here. I have told you many times that if you're called to proclaim the word, that's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be studying and proclaiming, studying, proclaiming and praying. But you're also supposed to do what we see in Acts six, right? You're to have deacons. You're to have people organized to care for these needs. And yes, it must be organized. It cannot be just on the, you know, off the cuff. What are the things you're commanded to do as a church in the New Testament? You, you identify those things and then you start organizing your church, not in a way that makes it grow. You organize your church in a way that allows you to be obedient to the things you've been commanded to do. And one of them is to take care of widows. Um, I want to look at the example of Job for a second. Job 29, 13. This passage, I mean, man, uh, I know I've read it, you know, a lot of times, but it just jumped out at me yesterday in a tremendous way. Job 29, 13, the blessing of the one ready to perish came upon me and I made the widow's heart sing for joy. 
Look at that. So, when, some, when someone was perishing, because, and Job came into their life. Now, whether this was a person who was dying and, uh, and their widow needed to be taken care of, or whether this was a person who was dying or in trouble and Job uh, ministered and worked in such a way that they were saved from it, we really don't know. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say this before the throne of God? The blessing of the one ready to perish came upon me. We could spiritualize that a bit. The blessing of the one who was lost and perishing in sin, right? Their blessing came upon me because I shared the gospel with them. The one starving or the one ready to commit suicide or just so many things. Because of your life, those who were perishing blessed you because of the way you lived. And I made the widow's heart sing for joy. A widow, totally destitute, has no hope. I know a situation where a, a, a woman was tragically and horribly abandoned, terribly, totally abandoned, um, her children abandoned, stranded, and uh, a group of men I called her on the phone and from church and said this, sister, tell us every one of your problems. And she just, you know, I can't, my, my children were stranded in a foreign country. It's this, 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 and this. We've been abandoned. We have nothing. We have no home. And then those men say to her, every one of your problems are no longer your problem. They're ours. We assume them all. They're ours. As men, we will take the entire thing on. The only thing you need to concern yourself about is enjoying your children, ministering to your children. We will assume responsibility for everything. Do you see that? That's what men do. Don't let, me, don't let me hurt your feelings, but boys, that's what men do. That's what they do. Okay? None of this, you know, bravo, macho, all this kind of stuff. Uh, if I have to, I can try to beat you up, and I'm not afraid to, but that's not what manhood is about. It's about to saying, no, your problems, they're now mine. Okay, Job, I want to read it one more time. Job 29, 13. The blessing of the one ready to perish came upon me and I made the widow's heart sing for joy. Now, I want to get to something that's very important here and we're going to talk about it in the next session. Uh, if you can, I'm willing to do several sessions today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that you will use it in the hearts of these men and that Lord, they and the men of their church and the women of their church 
would in an organized and wise fashion learn to care for those who are needy in their church. In Jesus' name, amen.